Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome down to the Rick Shields podcast, everybody. It is Post Masters. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy, and we've got our very favorite. This now is his third visit onto the podcast. You know him as Bad Golfer, we know him as John Robbins. I don't know where I was going with that. You know what? I was going to try and pull up your Twitter or Instagram handle, but I couldn't even remember it. Nomadic gravity. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, That's right, yeah. don't make a fool of yourself here. <laughs> and we're doing this via Zoom. Where are you in the world right now, John? I'm at home in Amersham in Buckinghamshire, um, as I have been an awful lot for the past six months, uh, doing an awful lot of... Uh, zoom podcasts and zoom radio and various other bits of zooming so it's a good job i like my house otherwise i'd be thoroughly depressed right now well thanks for coming on oh, it's Trilogy. a pleasure hey is this is this third time and you're out now is this is this what we get to we get three times on the podcast and then we when we ask you again you'll say no no it's th- it's three times and then you get a fee okay <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so in this episode, but, we're going to talk about loads. We're going to talk about the Masters. Did you watch lots of it, John and Guy? I did. I watched uh, all of it. Well, that's going to be good then. We can talk lots about that. One thing I want to give a little moment of praise to before we even crack on is the Masters app. Because it is hands down the best app I have ever used in my entire life. And it meant that I could watch the golf, but also dip in and out and sound like I know what I'm talking about by being able to just watch all the shots a click of a button it was ridiculous it was unbelievable the fact you can go back and see all the shots even i've been doing it today i've still been going back on other shots where i thought mm-hmm. i missed that i need to go and watch that yeah big shout out did you get did you download the app john yeah i watched all of it and um uh what was great is i was able to speak to my uh father-in-law about it and he's actually played augusta quite a few times so what? it was amazing yeah it was amazing to watch with someone who's played it. And I know I can see Rick's face. You're absolutely <laughs> devastated. What the hell? 
How the hell yeah. have we spent this much time with you so far and we did not know you were marrying into royalty? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? So your your future father-in-law, is that who you said? Yeah. Has played Augusta on several occasions. Yeah, he's played Pebble Beach. He's played, um, uh, what's the other one? Kiowa K- Island or something like something that? Something like as that, well. yeah. He's he's got an astonishing number of great golf courses under his belt. Wow. That's unbelievable. And is this just I'm guessing it's not luck. I'm guessing this is uh he knows the right people, right? He um he's worked with a lot of so he's a jeweler. He makes jewelry and he's worked with a lot of uh golfers making stuff for them. Um and I think also in the past has made trophies for golf tournaments um because he does sort of silver work as well um but he he's a very keen golfer um and uh he he plays at uh Sunningdale so he he knows an awful lot of people in the golf world and um uh yeah he's 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 played Augusta a couple of times wow I've it's the fact it's a couple of questions. times as well. It's not even like, oh, he's managed to play once. He was lucky. It's like, oh, he's played it a few times. I've got two questions. Yeah. Does he watch much YouTube? <laughs> um, <laughs> not uh, yeah, bits and bobs, uh, but he's sort of a real. He's a. He's a. He's just into all sports, really. So he's always, uh, whenever I go and visit, he's always watching um, bits and bobs of of various sport. Second question. Mm. as your missus got a sister <laughs> uh yes she i does. also i also want to marry into this family <laughs> that's unbelievable i cannot believe it so you you must have that must have been a great experience sat watching it with someone who's played it i actually honestly don't know properly somebody who's played augusta eric oh yeah forgot not spoke to him probably since that all right, that goes that. He was, then. <laughs> he was sort of, there was really interesting stuff he said about the way the grass grows. So they mentioned it a few times in commentary that the grass grows away from the pin. So like a, a, bump, a bump and run shot can be quite tricky. You have to check what direction the grass is going. And also when they're putting, what you'll have noticed watching is that putts are going really, really, really fast and then suddenly they slow down. And they're hitting the grain of the of the grass on the greens, which I'd never really, I would never take that into account when I'm putting the grain of the grass. Yeah, we don't over here in the UK. It's not something we have to contend with, luckily. But yeah, out in the States, I've played on grainy greens before. And in the Middle East as well, you get quite a lot of grain. And it is so tricky, you know, which way the, the grass flows and everything else. Anyway, I feel like we've we've started off this podcast with a real kind of curveball. You've caught me completely <laughs> off guard. I'm not sure where to take this conversation anymore. Um, yeah, but thanks so much for coming on, on part of the podcast again. If you don't know John, John is a comedian, but also has a YouTube channel called Bad Golfers. Him and his mate Alex Horn, who, if I'm honest, you're both getting pretty good at golf these days. I've been watching and you're both doing pretty well. Uh, I'm very impressed. And I think that's all with the this kind of new philosophy you've got towards golf that you were talking to us after our very, um, what's the right word, kind of um, 
exciting and adventurous day that we had in a charity golf day earlier this year, um, which we might come on to later in this podcast. That podcast was one of our top performing episodes, and I'm not sure if it was because it had John on, or it was the fact that we titled it Golf Cheats Are The Worst, whichever way it was. That podcast has done really well, but a lot has. That was weird because that podcast it was in August, so only really three or four months ago. Wow, but yeah, like it felt changed. like the world was back to a lot more normality now. Even the fact I've seen this on the way here. Even the fact of playing golf in a golf day and like going out for food afterwards and stuff, which we did, feels so alien again now. Um, so that's not good. But go on, John. Well, I've I, quite a lot has happened to, for me golf wise since that podcast. Um, I've uh, I've started writing for uh, today's golfer. I'm their bad golf correspondent. I saw that. <laughs> so it's nice to sort of write a column about the average golfer's experiences. So I did one on um, uh, playing in the wet. I had my worst ever round in a tournament in the wet. And essentially, you never really learn how to play in the wet, but it's a whole different ball game uh, when it's muddy and when it's sort of absolutely torrential um and i'm going to write one about missing golf again during the second lockdown uh i've started using arcos have you tried that rick i have in dribs and drabs to be honest with you i don't play enough proper golf to utilize the technology but i'm not offended by the technology i think it's really good i I just i think it's one of the things if you're playing a lot of golf regular nine holes 18 holes of actual proper golf it's a great tool and there's lots of them these kind of game analysis tools now that a lot of people are using but arcos is probably one of the best of them it's not only using in cobra now but also uh, rumor has it new ping stuff is coming out with arcos as well what a great segue that was just a quick note so ping have actually got i don't know if you've seen this john but ping have got a new line of product coming out which is the g425 and it's weirdly available in um the u.s and it's available... Um, no, it's not available in the US no, just yet, sorry. Asia. It's available in Asia, but there's players obviously on tour that have been using it. But it's not out yet, which is quite strange, because normally at the moment everything is just a global release. But we actually got a very um, almost exclusive statement from Pingrick about this. It's a bit of a long one. Let me just run through this. It's quite interesting. So uh, Ping said, We have made the decision to stagger the launch of the Ping G425 family in the best interests of our various operations throughout the world. We were preparing for July global launch of the G425 family when the pandemic arrived in March and impacted various golf markets in different ways. At that time, the North American and European golf markets experienced significant setbacks, while Asia, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa were less affected from a golf industry standpoint. After significant um, consultation with executive teams and careful analysis of the current market dynamics, we have decided to launch uh, in those regions in late August and delay the North American and European launches until January. So, so that's we'll why there's a delay. But there is going to be Arcos in them. Yes. So quite exciting times. Um, yeah, so all, all going on in the world. But like I say, John, I've noticed the today's golfer article. I'm not going to be too offended that you uh, when you were talking about youtube channels recently you didn't particularly drop our name in and give us a plug you decided to give golf sidekick a, uh, bu- I, golf sidekick you, okay. a plug instead i don't you miss things to, john i don't miss you things to, you come on you, you come on my podcast that those columns are edited i'm not i give i'm not ah. the one who has the final say you they, i have I'm, a word document on my computer <laughs> that mentions <laughs> rick <it> shields <laughs> It's because it's uh, it's because I'm affiliated with Golf Monthly, so they wouldn't allow it in today's golf round. Imagine. 
Well, let's. let's I know, we need to. We, we've had a little catch up, but we need to get some structure to this. We've got, got some, structure. some structure. So the structure of today is we've got good old Johnny JR's back. So he's always got some anecdotes about his golf and how his golf's improving or getting worse. I imagine it's getting well. It was getting better, but we can touch on that. Also, we asked you the day because the podcast John is now twelve months old. It celebrated its first birthday, and I asked in our Facebook group what parts of the podcast so far have people enjoyed, and there was. Uh, incredible amount of people that were saying i like it when you have guests and even possibly even more people were saying we love john robbins the bad golfer so we thought well why not get you back for your hat trick ball um your third appearance maybe third and final but let's hope not let's hope we can get you back on again appearance in the what, podcast what are you expecting why are you expecting us all to fall out or something <laughs> just trying to call some drums we can clickbait the, the clickbait it rick and the bad golfer john robbins fell out forever must listen rick, rick and john fell out because he didn't he didn't mention him in an article but what we, we have got our usual feature stage we've got a dear rick we have also got a nightmare golf story and i've also got a new feature we're going to be running but what i have done is the dear rick and the nightmare golf story i've kind of tailored so that john can answer as well because the kind nice. of both of them i saw a little bit of john in them as well and then the crazy golf is a new feature we have literally launched today on the facebook group so we've not had much time to plan this but i was thinking and for the few friends today they actually messaged me about something they were saying about things that happen on the golf course are just ridiculously random those things where you almost it, you, when you then tell a friend about what happened it almost sounds like it was a lie but it's not a lie that's the point i was trying to think of a name for this feature and I was struggling. Maybe John can help. I've gone with so far. It's not the best. <laughs> Go on. Crazy golf. <laughs> mm. I can see what you're doing somewhere. there. <laughs> but we've got the first one I'm going to read, right? It's <laughs> it's not the best, but people listening, if you've got a story, please email it to us. It's podcast at rickshields.com and let us know something. Like, the crazier the better. I want them to be borderline lies. The first one, are you ready for this? Hey, guys. While my dad was doing his greenkeeping apprenticeship, he went out on the fourth green to change the pins for the morning. The fourth green is close to the road, in brackets. There was a huge storm the night before, and it blew down the wire fence section off the golf course. (laughs) This is so weird. As dad approached the hole to change it, he noticed a massive human shit in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. And it just says, I'm not sure how he finished off his apprenticeship, to be honest. And that was it. So that wasn't quite what we were looking for. We asked people to email us in with uh, these crazy golf stories. But you get the gist. So please do email us. <laughs> a good start. We need some more content. We really do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw some co- of the I comments. A... Go on, no, John. carry on. I've, I've got a couple I've... of crazy stories I can tell you uh, if you want them. Yeah, definitely. I saw a few of the comments in the Facebook group. Some of them were like ridiculous, but like more one-liners. We, we want them to be like I like the ones that are long and in depth, and they've yeah. got like the well-written, yeah. well-articulated. They got some structure. Uh, yes, but anything will do at the minute. We need the content. <laughs> Go on, John. Have you got one? Well, I got a couple. So uh, my f- first ever round after I joined the club I, I'm playing for uh, in High Wycombe, uh, we were on the the tee and the guy I was playing with hit his ball and it went it hit the red um tee marker from the red tees it bounced mm-hmm. over our heads and went into the bunker of the hole before us of the green so we didn't he didn't know what to do he said oh do I just take three off the tee 
And we were like, no, you actually have to play from the bunker. So there's the group behind us putting have to come off the green. He then has to take his tee shot from the bunker of the previous hole uh, and try and get it down onto this par three, uh, which we all found very amusing. But when I was in Spain playing Amanduera, we were coming up the 18th and the group ahead of us in, in our sort of our big gang, a, a bird picked up his ball off the fairway and carried it 100 yards towards the hole and then dropped it, fell out of his beak, so turned a sort of 220-yard drive into a 320-yard drive. Nice. That'll look good, look good on his Arcos. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, if you've seen it happen, you have to replace the ball. Whereas um, if you if you um, just sort of were like, where's my ball? And then you find it 100 yards ahead and you're like, oh, bird must have moved it. Then you play it from where it is. Um, That's interesting. I, I don't, I must admit when I saw you post this morning, guys, I was like, have I got any crazy ones? But I've heard crazy ones from other people, but I don't know if I've actually experienced that many myself. I'll have a think. I'll try and, I'll try and remember. I have found poo in the hole. Wow. Human poo. Oh God, I've not. The, the only you thing not, you never lived. The only thing <laughs> I must be playing at two nicer golf courses. The only thing I remember, and it's a, a kind of weirdly old mutual friend of ours, who in his first ever golf professional tournament teed up on the first hole, dead nervous, really you know petrified as you would be, stands up there, tees it up, absolutely crushes driver, literally rips it. It's about 150 yards into its ball flight, and it absolutely nails a pigeon. And the ball, the pigeon drops straight down, and the ball was found inside the pigeon, like lodged into, oh. its, into its torso. Pigeon was dead, and uh, I think he got called disturbing. pigeon for the rest of the year, or pidge or whatever for the rest of the <laughs> season. Anyway... The Masters. The Masters. I'm going to I'm gonna put out there, I've said this to Rick already, and I put it on the, again the Facebook group just to cause a little bit of um, <laughs> spice. It was quite boring towards the last half of the final day. And I only say it was boring. Well, not boring, because I'm so happy that there was golf on to watch. There was major championship golf at Augusta National, which looked phenomenal, certainly in November. I was so, well, I don't want to say I was surprised at how good it was, because I kind of expected it, but I was, it was great, wasn't it? The course, I actually loved how it looked. It looked great, and I liked how um, the ball was landing a bit softer, and it could be a bit more aggressive on some of the shots and stuff like that. And I'm also happy that Dustin Johnson won, because I like him. I love his golf game. He smashes the golf ball miles. He's putting, everything's good, isn't it? I'm not going to pick out one part of his game, because everything's good. But, like... I think the fact there was no fans there, which I know can't be helped, there wasn't that, there wasn't that kind of tension in the air. It was almost too obvious, certainly once he got through Amen Corner, that he was going to win and kind of walk yeah, away with it. True. And it was just missing that bit of a... If Rory was one or two behind, or you know, I don't know, somebody else, it just missed that little bit of, like, electricity. And yeah, then but- when he walked off the 18th green and his, and his partner came on, it was obviously a nice moment. It was great, and I, and I felt kind of happy for him. But he... Compared to last year's, which I know is so, so different, it's a world apart when, when Tiger won and his young son came on and hugged him. It was just so different. I just felt like it was just, ah, I don't know. It, it was it was the Masters, but not quite the Masters. That's all it was. It was, mm. it was. Everything else was the Masters. You knew the holes, you knew the layout, you knew the golf course. Weird pin position on th- 16, which I found a bit strange. The whole, the way it was 
put together like say the masters app was amazing they had, there was a little bit of like excitement with tiger could he go back to back with bryson dechambeau hitting it 400 yards is he going to dominate it with people like dustin johnson going out and shooting an amazing you know early rounds paul casey shooting the lights out rory mcelroy coming from behind after that first bad day so the, the autumnal vibe of of the masters and augusta and the fact that you could actually see the golf course without patrons was actually re- really quite cool because yeah. you could see the undulations lots more and like i say the scoring was much lower but i, I would agree i did enjoy it i wasn't gripped to the edge of my teeth edge of my seat because that just that final last six holes and also the people in contention and much as i really really became fond of cameron smith the first player ever to shoot all four rounds in the 60s and still not win. In fact, the only player that's ever shot all four rounds in the 60s really loved, grew to love him throughout the week. There was just nothing quite there on that fine. Like, you want to see it 16 where it's like only one or two shots in it, don't you? Or 13 when it's only I, one or two I, shots I either in. Wanna see, and this is a bit bad. I, I either want to see it be close, which obviously it wasn't, or if anyone's going to walk away with it, for me, because I'm a Tiger, a bit of a fan, but it has to be Tiger. I just felt that, like again, I don't I don't dislike Dustin Johnson, but there was no kind of fist pumping, there was no excitement, and I know that's not part of his game, he's very controlled, he's very measured, whether he's 8 over or 8 under. It just didn't get me going. Do you not I want to hear what John's I'm... got to say. I wonder if a lot of what you are missing from it would have been provided if there'd been a crowd there, because even though it was pretty clear... Johnson was going to win sort of with, I would say, after the sixth when uh, Sungai Im bogeyed and Johnson, when there was that two two shot switch, mm-hmm. that was pretty much when it became clear no one was going to get him. But if you'd had a crowd, you know, applauding, cheering, whooping every shot, A, you would have had those little bursts of adrenaline up the few final holes, but also maybe Johnson would have been a bit more... Um, uh, a bit more sort of uh, energetic in his in his responses True, yeah. to the crowd. Well, definitely. Oh. Normally, you get big moments on fifteen. You get big moments on thirteen. You get big moments on sixteen. They're the three holes that you do get that crowd interaction. That you do get the oohs and the ahs and the celebrations and the ball going in the water on those holes. And then suddenly, someone makes eagle. That's where you see all the action and twelve as well. Obviously, we need to come. We need to come on to twelve in a minute with Tiger. But all in all, I really liked it, and I can't believe we've only got to wait five months before the next Masters is to come again. Now, I said at the start of the week, I voted to have two Masters every every year. I've gone against that completely. Yeah, no way. Like I, <laughs> as much as it's only five months away, or whenever it is in April, I'm like, oh, it feels a bit too soon. Like, and it sounds ridiculous that, but I don't, yeah, I do not want it to happen again. I cannot wait for April when it's, when the golf course, the golf course was in incredible condition. Obviously, we were not there on present and seeing it, but it looked phenomenal. I think when it comes around to April again, they're going to have it in unbelievable situation where they're gonna have patrons uh, patrons who knows but um we shall see can we just call them fans i just don't know i just like patrons thing i just like it i just like it because it's i wouldn't any other any other um tournament i wouldn't respect it but the masters i feel like i want to respect it part of me feels like i I obviously love the masters It's, it's the second best major but part of me also doesn't like some of it i'll be honest i feel like it's just too like exclusive. It is exclusive. It's that's like the, that is the one it, thing that's. It's all the, the things. It. I don't know. It's part of me really likes it in the tradition, and part of me's not so sure on it. Um, can I ask you a a, a, a two part question about Bryson? You guys, 
Go for it. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily... I am a fan of what he's trying to do. I'm perhaps not a fan of how much discussion about him detracts from every other golfer. Was was part of you? Did part of you feel that actually, once it became clear he wasn't in contention, an awful lot of that pre-tournament excitement seemed to have been wasted because it was all about Bryson, and then suddenly, within you know nine holes, it's like, oh, it's not going to be about him. And the second question is, do you think new golfers should copy Im's backswing rather than Bryson's? <laughs> um. Okay, first one, Bryson. It was exciting though, wasn't it? In the build-up, I was honestly... I remember sat right here where I am now and I had the had the, the uh, golf on the TV and I watched... There was a few players kind of teeing off and when Bryson teed up on that 10th hole on Thursday, I stopped everything and watched. Like I couldn't wait mm. to see what... Like what... It felt like he was a freak show. Like it felt like if Happy Gilmore was real... Like I'd want to go and watch that, that golfer. The, the analogy, I would, I've used this a little bit, the analogy with Bryson is, he's literally that heavyweight boxer with a massive knockout punch who fights and there's a, a build-up for six months and then when they come to fight, it's a bit of a hugging fest. But then equally, the next fight, you still can't wait because you know what they can do. And that's like Bryson, he might, I mean, he still made the cut and didn't do that bad. Didn't perform like he should have done. But we all know what he can do. And if he does that on a, on a, over four days. I think there's a couple of things I was shocked about. I was shocked a little bit about his attitude because I know it wasn't going his way. He, he mentioned about how he wasn't feeling well and all this. And he had a COVID test on Thursday night because he felt like he was, you know, a bit under the weather. I didn't like his attitude. I felt like he, he kind of, I don't know, let himself down a little bit there. There's a lot of young golfers watching him and I just felt like he he just he just had a bit of a, a cob on for the rest of the, of the tournament. The other thing I was unbelievably surprised about but also kind of sem- semi-respected he never changed from his game plan, did he? Like, no. It didn't matter how bad it was going. Even on Friday, when he literally had to make par on the last hole to make the cut, in his mind, he was one under at the time, he still took driver and tried to absolutely bomb it. And I've got to really admire that, because you think, fair dues, like, you, you could have had an opportunity there where you actually played safe, but no, you kept it going. And for him, that might just be, in his scientific way, almost like an experiment. It's just a November experiment ready for April when he'll do it all again, but he'll be better this time. That's almost like a practice tournament for him. I can't wait to see him again in April. I just hope that he kind of changes his attitude a little bit. Kind of, He's young, hopefully he matures a little bit. Uh, but it was very exciting. Um, Im's backswing. Uh, yes and no. Slow backswings normally result in slow clubhead speeds. Typically, the faster you go back, the faster you swing down. But I do quite like the control of it. I know Butch Harbin on the on the uh, on the coverage was praising it so much, and he was saying how much he's going to try it. I mean, Butch is like one of the best golf coaches in the world. I'm sure he's not going to go out and try it, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I just think it was a little bit. I think it, it'd be decent practice drill, but maybe not something you'd go straight into your round of golf with. It's it's interesting because all of the fuss about Bryson and what he's doing that no one else could do. The one thing I wanted to get onto a range and do the next day was have a go at Kim's backswing just to see what it felt like and just to see if it made any difference to accuracy or whatever. But I wonder with Bryson whether what might be really interesting is if one day he's able to develop like a B game for courses that aren't suited to that 
technique. So at the at the US Open, it really worked. And I wonder if perhaps the the scariest prospect for other golfers is is when he actually is able to deviate from that style of play when when the course doesn't suit it. I think he will do definitely. I think he's he's got plan of attack A at the moment, and then see what happens with B and C. He'll have other options. I'm still excited about seeing him. His post post round interview where he said he's going to spend like five months now to get even bigger and even it's faster. And it's like holy crap. I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, it gives coverage like, and it sounds daft as much as it's it's not everybody's cup of tea it's giving golf some coverage and it's exciting and i do want to see him smash it 400 yards it is i love it i mean i'm not like but before all this bryson getting strong stuff wasn't that i knew obviously who he was i was aware of him like i didn't really have any feelings positive or negative towards him but now he's taking this new kind of approach i really can't stop but wanting to know more about him and watch more of him hitting balls i find it really exciting but what i think's mad is he's clearly put on loads of weight muscle and everything but yeah, if you look like a Justin Thomas who still hits it at miles, he's so thin, isn't he? So scrawny. And then like if you look, scrawny in comparison. Yeah, Dustin's obviously in good shape, but kind of tall. Brooks is a bit of a meathead. Like, you've got different physiques, but yeah, a lot of them still pump it out there a long way. Rory. Like Rory should um, not hit the Cameron ball as Champ. far as he does. Like, Tony Finau, he's tall, yeah. but he's not, like, massive. It is going to be interesting. I, I expected more from him. I couldn't believe how many errant shots he hit, but still managed to make par, Bryce. And that was, again, something incredibly impressive. I mean, he did get beat by a 63-year-old in Bernard Langer. He's some player, though, yeah, isn't he? Amazing. How good is that? And he's hitting it I mean, 240 yards off the tee average, his drive. It's unbelievable. I mean, he uh, just class. I just, I even just love the fact that the stars aligned. And he actually got drawn out with Rory on Saturday, I think it was, and then Bernard, uh, then Bryson on Sunday. I mean, that's just great. And I, I'm not sure if he beat Rory, but he definitely beat Bryson on that final round. But unbelievable, really good. Um, Tiger. If he hadn't have made that ten, well, what would that? If you not, if that would have been a par, he then would have finished on eight under, I think. I, I don't think he would have finished no, as I don't well think as he, he did. I mean, what the hell was that? Have you ever seen anything like that from Tiger Woods? I mean, it was unbelievable. Oh, I thought you were going to say, if you ever seen anything like that? Yeah, I have quite a lot. Uh, yeah. Not from Tiger. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable, wasn't it? Like, I was gobsmacked. I was literally watching the coverage going, oh my God, this is a, this is, this is a big number. <laughs> and, and what's amazing about it, and what will be familiar to lots of golfers, is how quickly you're suddenly stood there thinking, oh my God, I'm putting for a nine. How did this happen? Six <laughs> minutes ago, I was teeing off. to be thinking that. If you told me at the tee I was going to get a nine, I'd have played so, <laughs> so much differently. <laughs> but I no. think what, what is remarkable about the man was his re- reaction to it. And how much can people learn from from what happened to his mental state following a 10, is he played the best golf of the whole tournament, of, of his whole tournament? Eventually, How many of us... I don't think anyone played the last six holes and any, anything better than what he did. You know what's mad, though? I might be talking rubbish here. I don't think in his prime, Tiger would have recovered as well as he did. No. Because would, it would have almost scarred him too much, whereas now I think his, his outlook is different and he, yeah. he was more relaxed. And actually, what surprised me was his post-game... Um, chat to the I didn't scat. think he'd do it. He was one? like laughing and joking. Yeah. He seems, I mean, he obviously made up, they'd made six birdies, five birdies in six holes, whatever. But his his manner, his, the way about him now, he is he's so much more chilled, isn't he? Yeah. Out of all the things he has taught golfers around the world, I honestly think that could be the, the greatest lesson he teaches the youth of today. 
after you make a 10, make five birdies. Yeah. But just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like, okay, there is, a t- I've had a terrible hole. We all have them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what level we've got, we all have a terrible hole. If we can take anything from the greatest golf that's ever lived, in my personal opinion, that you can stand there and for the next six holes make five birdies unbelievable mm. i hope I, hopefully I think, golf coaches around the world are showing their junior um camps and clubs and fathers and, so- and daughters and sorry father and mothers out there are showing their sons and daughters that that's how you behave after a terrible round i think that's going to be amazing for golf in the future and i i think also something that always amazes me about golfers and i include myself in this is at the same time you'll be saying Oh my uh, my! I can't hit my driver for anything. I can't. It's rubbish. It's gone. My driving game's gone. Right, and yet also they can say, "Why is it I always hit my provisional perfectly when I hit the other one into yeah. the trees?" Well, surely the fact that you always hit your provisional so much better than the one that's gone into the trees shows you that your game doesn't ever disappear. You know, you're always one shot away from the best shot you hit that day, and I think that's what tiger proves in a very sort of high profile exceptional um example is that you you are never that far away from them playing amazingly so you should never let your head drop and i wonder if that's something that some of the other golfers especially some of the european and english golfers you kind of there's there was so much promise at the on day 1 with lee westwood and paul casey and you just want to see a bit more sort of chest out strut about them but they just seem to so frequently just sort of shrivel away. Whereas it's the yeah. Americans who have that mindset to be able to just sort of keep, keep pushing on. Yeah. And it's been a long time since England, especially, or the UK has, has produced a really single minded golfer sort of in the Faldo mold. Yeah. I think you've got a good point. Obviously we've had Danny Willett win the, the masters, in the last few years, it was 2016. And, um, you know, we have got players that are good enough to win it. Obviously, it's just like you say, in that first round, how many times has Lee Westwood won the first, you know, been leading after the first round? It's scary or right up there. And like I say, doesn't quite keep going with it. But I think, I think, um, anyway, I think it's just an awesome tournament. Well, from one major, which is, is good, to undoubtedly the best major, which is Rick, the Open. The Open. Championship. And what is undoubtedly the second best golf podcast? The Open podcast. Yes. So John, <laughs> our friend John, has said before uh, recording he's never actually listened to the Open podcast. How so I, dare you? I want you to sell it to him. So first of all, let's say, when are the Open podcasts out, Rick? Well, conveniently, every single Tuesday. Yes. On your favourite podcast providers. So give me three platforms I can listen to it on. Apple. Yes. Amazon. Yes. Spotify. Oh, great. Okay. There's 10 episodes. Yes, they are. They are tailored documentaries about Opens of the past. They have guests including Tom Watson, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholas, mm-hmm. Chris Wood. Yes. Um, Michael Campbell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm literally doing this not not with any script at all. Uh, I'm going to try and go on two more. Okay. Um, oh, two more is a big shout. Why did I say that? Ernie? <laughs> I don't know now. <laughs> Either way, it's got a, a plethora of phenomenal, talented golfers of the years gone by. The Open Podcast, available every single Tuesday. And here's a little snippet of this week's episode. This four or five, 
So unless he has a good chip, he's going to drop two shots. But a bit of positive thinking, he's had the pin taken out. Quite a good one, but not quite dead. Missed my putt, and I made double bogey on the seventh hole. Oh, it's... Oh, that was a really... Oh, he's... The nerves getting at him now. That's a terrible seven. And his lead is cut to one shot. So, John, has that got your juices flowing? I'm so excited to download and listen to the open podcast from all of my podcast providers. <laughs> Every single one of them. And make sure you subscribe Every, yeah. and leave a five-star review. Oh, so I'll, be re- I'll give it five stars before I've even listened to it. <laughs> that's the kind that, of man John that's is exactly what you should be doing and guys thanks again to the open podcast for sponsoring the rick shields podcast your number one favorite golf podcast tuesdays are my favorite day because i listen back to our podcast on apple podcasts and then i listen to it on spotify and then i listen to the open on just apple i don't listen to the open on two no. but people can if people want to yeah um what, so what did you John- think about this there was a suggestion. I think it was Butch Harmon said that the Open should be played at St Andrews every year. What do you I'd think love about it. that? I would love that. Sign me up. Uh... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, I would love it. Because it's like the, master, the Masters is so special because it's at Augusta. True. And I know it might take a bit of the shine off, but St. Andrews, have you been, John, to the to the area and stuff? I haven't, I'm afraid. 
Oh, it's absolute I, heaven. I, I did want to ask you this question, actually. Have you ever been to a golf tournament? Uh, no, I haven't. I was meant to be playing in a pro-am, uh, but it got cancelled the first lockdown. I, I would love I would love to play in a pro-am. And also go to a golf tournament would be great. Yeah. Honestly, the Open. Ryder Cup would be my dream. Yeah. Well, I, I've been lucky enough now to go to Open Championships, a plenty. Mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of those. And I know you've been to a lot as well, yeah. Guy. I've been to one Masters, Sunday at the Masters, which was phenomenal. Got to see Tiger wear red at the Masters, which is That's literally good. a dream. And I've been to Ryder Cup. In fact, I've been to th- two Ryder Cups. Uh, one, I can't remember because I got a little bit intoxicated. And two, I was working <laughs> and uh, had an unbelievable time. Um, so I've actually been to all three. But I must admit, an open championship at St. Andrews is a little bit special. But for me, I must. I just don't know if I'd run it there every single year. Maybe I, every other year. I'd 100%, go with. I'd, I'd take it hundred percent. I tell you what, I do like the town. St Andrew's town is just the best, and it's got Nando's. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> it's got little golf. But it's got right. This is what I like. I'm going to give you three things I like about St Andrew's town. Number one, it's got Nando's. Number two, it's got loads of little independent golf shops that anywhere else in the country probably wouldn't survive, but because they're there, they survive. Well, they're just on the high street. It's amazing. Number three, this is what John would absolutely idolise: the little snug pubs. Well, you might find oh, an old yeah. Scottish caddy who would tell you so many tales, John. You'd be in there till oh, gone yes, midnight. Please. Well gone yeah. midnight. You'd be chatting, hearing about old Tom Morris and young Tom Morris and the... <laughs> all the Tom Morris's. All the Tom Morris's. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I, yeah. But I, 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 the only thing I do like, again, coming from England and where we are located in the northwest, I love a home open. When it's at Burtdale, Rolitham, Hoylake... Only because it's convenient. Yeah, but that is good. They've got the four-hour drive. We could have St. Andrews, a couple of cans of Monster, loads of chats, just a mate's day. Well, the good thing is with St. Andrews, you can you have to stay there. Yeah. That's the good thing. Like, And you can go in the bar at night and speak to that drunk caddy. You could stay up till 1am and no one would say anything about it. But you get, <laughs> no get kids told to off. go with. Exactly. Right. Are you ready for a dear Rick? Go for it. Are you ready for a dear Rick, John? Yeah. You, you can, I, I want to hear your take on this. Now, dear Rick is, is typically an anonymous um, email. And I think this one can be unanonymous. Is that the right phrase? I think so. Um, <laughs> and if anything, for the guy Martin that's written in, it's probably better to have his name out there. It's a little bit of promo for him. It's a different one. Normally, dear Rick, could be about a swing fault or a family problem that somebody can't play as much golf as normal. So again, if you want to feature on dear Rick, please do email podcast at com. Our last one, John, just to give you a hint, was how you can secretly follow hot girls on Instagram. Yeah, it was a, it was a risque one. Um... But the well, it's very. I've, the... I've, 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 I must have at some point, some time in my Instagram hi- history, clicked on some golfing meme of like um, a pretty lady playing golf. When I now go on my Discover page in oh, Instagram, yeah. it is oh, just yeah. wall up. to wall sort of spicy content. <laughs> Be careful what you say, <laughs> and but it's like I, I've never looked at a reel. I don't know what a reel is. And yet my search page on Instagram is just ladies in very skimpy tops playing golf. <laughs> so my me, girlfriend, me I'll be like agree. searching for something. She'll be like, who the hell is, what have you been looking at on Instagram? And I was just like, I looked at what I, I was forwarded oh, one video of a lady in a skimpy top playing golf. And for some reason, it's just infected my algorithms. 
<laughs> Let's be honest, Instagram knows, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Instagram knows. I call it poison, John. You don't want too much poison in your life. Right, so here we go. It says, morning, gents. Um, firstly, I listened to your podcast from day one. And I got to say, it's a breath of fresh air to listen to. So straight away he was in there. And I read that opening line. I thought, this is the kind of content we yeah, want. This is the kind of listeners want. I like. Um, especially with the free-flowing conversation, the non-scripted dialogue, and the comrade... Oh, what's that? how do I say that word, John? Comrade... Comrade... Cam- yeah, but shit. Camaraderie. Com- yeah, but he says camaraderieship or something. Comradeship. <laughs> Comradeship. Well, yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, it sounds, you, you sound better than you say it than me. Between the two of you. Um, basically, he goes on to say, I actually have a question I'd be interested in your thoughts on. I'm a construction professional working in the Middle East for the last 10 years, and recently I've become a little bit unsettled in my job and in my life in general, and it's not leading me to where I want to go. I've always been into golf, but in the last five years, I've got really into it. I've become more knowledgeable about clubs, technology, swing techniques, course design, etc. Sounds very much like John Robbins in some ways, doesn't he? Golf is something that I have, I'm so passionate about. A couple of years ago, I started a website where I review golf courses and do hole-by-hole walkthroughs. I'm getting some nice daily hits on that. Not massive hits, but people do come and visit the website every single day. Currently, I'm aiming to complete all the Middle East golf courses and then doing all the Irish golf courses. I want to be the go-to guy about courses in both the Middle East and Ireland and brackets after that, maybe North America, North Africa, sorry, Spain, Portugal, etc. My question is, <laughs> we finally get to it, bracket. To make a career in the golfing media world, what does it take? I'm not delusional. Delusional. I can't speak today. Delusional. Oh my god! What's wrong with me? I'm just gonna let you struggle. I am not delusional. Oh my god! Are you sure that's monster you're drinking? I, li- I literally can't say the word. I am not delusional. Oh my god! I'm going to say. It. Oh my god! This is frustrating me. And I thought John was the comic. Delusional. Oh my god! You say it for me. S- I don't it up without bits. seeing the word. Delusional. Oh, oh my word! I need this to get. I might, I might say it off mic first. He he may have Delusion. misspelt it, in which case no, you're having a... You'd... Right, I would say someone's deluded. I can say that. You stop being so deluded. Delusional. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to say it. I can't say it. Go on, you can... I can't even say it off can mic. you say it, John? Delusional. Delusional. Yeah, delusional. Oh, there we go. Delusional. <laughs> That's weird. I am not delusional. Oh, my God. <laughs> Enough to, to think that I could ever be a pro. Teaching is great, but I don't like to be tied down to one spot. I'm not a YouTuber, as I know there are thousands of those out there. However, reviewing a course and doing guides on how to play a course is something that I know I'm good at. And basically, long story short, how do I make this my dream job? Putting my two passions together, travel and golf. Um, I put a lot of time into writing, editing pictures, and doing articles for my website. I would like um, to see it pay off and it gets to the stage where it takes me to the road I want to go down. I've always had high ambitions, blah, blah, blah. Basically, it's quite a long-winded question, but basically, he wants to know, how can he go forward with this? Should he go forward with this? He's got a dream to, to make a website, and I've actually had a look. It's pretty decent. Uh, it's called MJ Golf Guides. Give him a little plug why he's gone to the effort of emailing us. So I want to hear first from you, Rick. What advice would you give him? And then from John. I know John's obviously very kind of uh, experienced in, in other worlds of media, but he's obviously come into the golf media world as of late. So what advice would John give him as well? <sighs> I'm mean, just stop laughing at your... Uh, I your had tears in my eyes then. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so, Martin, <clears throat> let's give you some advice. Um, first off, it is. It, I think for that, what you're trying to do is looking at your competition. I think for, for golf course guides, it depends on what you can bring as adding value back to the, 
the reader, the listener, the watcher on what you're saying of the golf course. Now, if you're playing it hole by hole and literally saying on the first hole, you is that what it's like a bit like guy on the first hole you need to hit driver up the left and then you you face with a seven iron into the greens it that type of style or is um, it more golf course I'm, review it's it's quite a nice looking website it's, it's basically so it like a picture of each hole yeah it's more like a kind of story i think john would like this actually it's like a story of the golf course what it's got in there so for example here on this this is a golf course i'm looking at now which is in saudi arabia uh and it's got things like the facilities. So it's then got quite a long, like, few paragraphs about there's a pro shop, there's a clubhouse, it's a nice size, the price, the course location. So it's quite, like, in-depth Yeah. I, I quite like it. I think I think it's something that's potentially missing. I think, I feel like back in the day, it would have been more fashionable to do something like that, mm. where it felt like, I felt like, I remember seeing this even in, like, golf magazines and stuff in the past, yeah. where you'd see golf course design or reviews, and you don't really see it as much anymore. Um I think there's two things. Like I say, if you can add value and then somehow commercialize it, so show value back to the facilities as well. So if you can prove to the facility you're getting X amount of hits every single time you review a golf course and charge the golf course a fee, whether it's a couple of grand or whatever, maybe get a drone license so that you can, again, commercialize the drone footage on your website. I think if you can do all that, you can make it into a business. And how good that would be a business? Going around the world, playing different golf courses, reviewing it. We might just give a lot of people a business idea there. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can jump on it, Martin, I think if you're very well written uh, clips that you're putting out there. So things are value back to the viewer, value back to the golf course, update maybe with drone footage and voiceovers and storytelling, and then kind of commercialize it. And I think it can could potentially go forward. John, what would you say from your experiences of coming into this golf world and kind of golf media to some degree? Well, I'd say as a golfer, the sort of information he's providing, there are an awful lot of different places I would already be going to for that information. So I might be going to the course website. I might be going to, you know, one of those websites where, uh, it, if, for example, when, when I play in Europe, it has like uh, comments from people who've played it and they rate the course and it they give you their handicap and what they scored and they do that mm-hmm. for courses all over Europe. I might even go to Google Earth to look at the look at the course from Google Earth to sort of get my head around it. So I wonder if there's a more uh, commercial outlet for what he's doing, which sounds like he's got a good knowledge of golf courses in the Middle East, which is something I know nothing about. So why not set up a golf travel company where you can use that expertise to advise people going out to the Middle East where they might want to play, especially if you're talking like corporate bookings, business clients. If you maybe want to take a client out for a day's golf or for a weekend away or something to be the go to person for where's got the best facilities, where's got the, you know, the best meeting rooms, where's got the best bars, restaurants and whatever that could be really useful. Yeah, I hear you. A couple of different options there, Martin. I think the, I think the, the the biggest challenge is, is it's always hard when you try and jump into a business that's already saturated, but it's saturated for a reason because there is business there. I think sometimes trying to find a niche that actually ha- has a return on investment is one of the hardest things. And if you can do that, that's when you become the Jeff Bezos of the world and smash mm. it out of the park. But either way. Or a serious so, one there, guy. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, let's, <laughs> let's um, go down the road 
of the Nightmare Golf story. So this week's is a rather long one again. And I sometimes say this before, it isn't the best ever. I'm going to just put that out there. But what I like about it is relatability. Okay. So starts off with, hi, Guy and Rick. Um, he listens to the podcast for a few months now. And although I don't want to relive the horror of my worst ever moment on a golf course, I feel it's only right I share it um, for your Nightmare Golf Stories segment. We appreciate it. Is this anonymous? Um, I can't remember yet. No, it's not. It's from Krish. Oh, what is wrong with me? Please don't just say that's just Chris. That that is Chris. Wow. His surname is Sharp. Chris Sharp. Um, So, he says, Having recently played the Belfry on a golf weekend and happy with my performance... I strolled to the first tee of my local course um, in my foot joy zip top full of confidence. Normally, the first tee, I am bricking it, but with no one watching except my friend and an air of confidence, for once, I creamed it down the fairway, leaving a chip onto the green. Nice. Whilst my friend was teeing up, I could see the two lads already ahead of us uh, hadn't played much and they were taking forever. They were new golfers. To begin with, I looked over and thought, I know how you feel. Um, this course has always brought out the worst in me, constantly topping it and struggling, and I could relate to, to how they felt and how they looked. But it soon became clear this was going to be a long round. I actually parred the first... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rick series going off of me here. Um, I parred the first, and I felt great. And the next seven holes, I played superbly. However, we were waiting at least five minutes on every single tee, and it did start to get really frustrating. We were hoping they would let us through. My friend went to skip a hole to get ahead. However, I was on course to smash my best ever score and finally put to bed all the nightmares I've had at this golf course, so I insisted we play every hole. You with me, Rick, still? I'm with you. Um, it's a long game, but I think it's good. It's all right. Chris, Chris Sharp tells a good story. He does. It's, it's, it's really well written as well, which is what I like. It's in paragraphs. It's really nice. It's, it's good. The only Very... thing I'm struggling with, as you said, which course it is. Uh, I know mean, he said the I, Belfry. I, I, um, no, I don't think he said which That's course right. it is. I've missed a few bits out to kind of get in. It's, it's even longer just, than what I'm reading. I was just trying to visualize it in my head. That was all. Um, I don't know what course it is. <laughs> it's all right. I'll pretend it's the Brabham. So... A queue, st- a queue uh, began to form behind us when the group in front finally let us through on the 8th. With two holes left, I needed an 18 or less on the next two holes, so 18 strokes, to beat my best ever score of 53. And I was full of confidence. So let's say worst case of two par fives. You can go quad, quad. Well, if he's playing the Brabazon, the ninth, and then well, the short the, part I don't 10. think this is the Belfry, but even if it was. I thought you said the Belfry. No, he played the week before at the Belfry and was feeling good about oh, himself. Right, sorry, this, isn't, this isn't the Belfry. This so is he's, not, he's, only, um, he's only playing nine holes. <laughs> okay, so he's got 18 to go. He's got, 18, he's got two he's more got holes Two holes, got 18 strokes. Okay. So he's, he's going to beat his best of 53, obviously, isn't he? Of course yeah. he is. Of course he is. Of course he's going to beat it. The two lads sat on the bench and waved me through. The lads behind on the seventh green were approaching as well, and all of a sudden I felt pressure. I've now got like six people watching me, and I don't cope well with pressure. So I topped my drive 25 yards and 60 degrees to the left, and it trickled into a bunker on the seventh hole. Humiliating. Okay. The guys that had let us through um, were watching, and the other guys were watching as well, and my mate then creamed his tee shot, so all the eyes were back on me. I sheepishly walked the bunker on the seventh, and the four ball waved me to play my shot so they could continue, and the two lads were still waiting, watching. Still being 300 yards away from the hole, I was unsure of which club to use, um, but with it being the back of a bunker, um, 
I got some loft on it and got my six iron to try and get at least a bit of distance. I then hit my shot, which hit the back of the bunker and rolled back into the middle. By this point, I was going bright red, sweating, and a rush of a further three shots with the same result. After hearing a couple of comments from those waiting for me, my friend then said to just pick up my ball and put it to the side and carry on. So I did just that. Pulled my highway out and shanked it right down um, to a fence on the other side of the course. On the other side of the hole, sorry. My game had completely gone, and the humiliation of all those people watching me, uh, and I was holding everybody up. I eventually hacked my way through the hole and finished with an 11... Right, so I now need a seven or better to beat my score. Furious at myself for completely ruining what could have been a huge PB, I was low on confidence and feeling embarrassed and frustrated. And I, of course, but it's the last hole with an eight, meant in, meaning that equaled my best score. Oh, that was basically mate. it. <laughs> it goes on. It's alright. I feel like it's gone on for quite a long time. Basically, he had eighteen strokes to finish the last two anyway, holes, 11, eight. and he's got an eleven and an eight. Ouch. Why is it that that happens when we have a number in our golf head? Golf is hard. I think also it's a it's a good lesson in why you shouldn't count your score on the course. I mean, obviously you you count on the hole to find out whether you won the hole or whatever. But the amount of times people said to me, "Don't count up your score as you're going along. Don't like add it up." And I thought, "No, I need to know where I'm at. I need to know how much I need." The amount of times I was shooting bang on 90 after after being well on track to break 90. So if he hadn't known what score he was on, he probably wouldn't have had as much sort of pressure on himself. It is true that. You know what, always, I've said this before and I do get it, but it also baffles me as well. Why, as amateur golfers, certainly for himself and Johnny are amateur golfers, people, in, and I've this myself, we get so nervous hitting golf balls in front of other people. Like... That it guy. It doesn't change if you're a golf pro. I still well, get what, nervous in what, front of people. Well, I know, but what I mean, yeah, but you kind of, I mean, you kind of should because you are, people expect you to be really good. But like that guy is not going around the golf course telling everyone, I'm the best player in the world, you're all rubbish. <laughs> He's literally <laughs> playing golf with a friend. He's been let through by two lads who are probably even worse than him. You might have four guys kind of watching you, but they're not necessarily watching you thinking, Let's see how good you are. Yeah. But why? I'm not. But I understand why he's nervous. But why does it happen? Yeah. No. Why do we get so bothered by people like, like letting us through and then feeling nervous? I know there's some aspect of if you get let through, you don't want to then hack it because people think, God, I've let these guys through and then now they're absolutely rubbish. Going to take ages and hold us up. But we need to stop being like so bothered. Yeah. It is. It is challenging because, like, say, even I mean, we've every now and again when we're out filming we we obviously let groups through and stuff to let you know in case we're holding anyone up and actually people do quite well when they play through us don't they but yeah. they are nervous like they always like oh don't get this on camera don't make sure you don't film this one as soon as they hit a good one were you filming that one did you get that one um <laughs> which is is always a funny one they, they desperately want to know if you got it if it's a good one but they're like please don't film it if it's a bad one do you get nervous john i used to get incredibly nervous if other people were watching um, I I think the more golf you play, the more you realise that, as a friend of mine once said, everyone's shit at golf. <laughs> like, I've played with some some players who I thought were way better than me, and everyone has a, a one of those holes in them. But I think also what I do now, if if um, I'm letting someone play through or I'm near someone else's tee shot, I actually physically turn away so that they don't feel I'm watching them. Because there's something about the way some people will stand, you know, sort of hands on hips watching yeah, you true. play. It's just unnecessary. So I always think if you if it's a tee shot is very much like a urinal. You just sort of focus on <laughs> what you're doing and, uh, and and never look over to see what anyone else is doing. 
No, that's a that's a great top tip there for not only golf but also for life. So <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, something. The... Go on. Is this the first podcast you've done since the World Handicap System came out? Oh, I almost feel like we've we told everyone it... about the World Handicap System. I I heard you try to explain it, John, on your podcast the other day. <laughs> I know it was a bit tongue well, in cheek, but it's I don't even understand it. No, we've done, this is now, because uh, it's kicked in in November, didn't it? So this, I think, is yes. our third podcast. Uh. Um, I feel like I'm kind of, we did our responsibility getting Gemma on, and Gemma explained it, and I felt like I, I knew it and understood it. When was that? Back in, like, July, August time. That um, was a great podcast, was, uh, yeah. by the way. I, I sent that podcast I, to a lot of people saying, here you go, this explains it all. Well, that is our number one podcast. Like that is our number one most listened to podcast because I think the information on it is unbelievable. I feel like I need to listen to it again, and I also feel like it's potentially England's golf to somewhat, unless there already is some of this. I don't know. Have they just brought out like a three-minute like video that explains it all? I'm not too sure. I know they brought out a little guide, but what I don't understand is I've heard of a few people's handicaps who've come down like a lot of shots, and I know it's the index, and that can then change, but. So what's your, like, you, what was your uh, handicap th- pre and post? So uh, the day before the new... So no, the week before, once you could log in, but it hadn't actually gone live, I went yeah. from 19.1 to 16.8. Uh, and obviously, as a lot of golfers will know, if you're on like a golf club WhatsApp group, it was just going nuts with all these people <laughs> like going, what the, hell, what the hell's going on? I'm now playing off two. It then went down to 15. Wow. And then and then two days after it went live, it went back to 19. So it's now at 19. But So I won't go into any details about the system or anything, but there was kind of squeaky bum time where I went 16.8, 15, now back to 19. So I'm happy. Yeah. I don't feel like they've had the smoothest transition, personally. No, it... it- I think what is confusing how there's so many different words that we're not really used to and how those boards, those boards are on, because I've seen that board at Marriott Worsley Park where we go and I've seen it somewhere else as well. And they are quite simple in as much that if your handicap index is 5.2 and on this course of this tee, you play off this. That part is simple. I think people need to forget everything else. Just go, right, my handicap index is X. I go to this golf course, I'm playing off Y, done. Yeah, yeah, but it's just different, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is more universal. Obviously, that's why they brought it in, and it is more fair. Um, I think, like I said, they've just they've just. Mm, I've seen a lot of golfers come down in handicaps, and even golfers that haven't played in loads of competitions, and it just leaves a few question marks. I think as soon as you, I don't know, lose the trust a little bit in that first system, people don't like change anyway. And as soon as maybe you lose a little bit of trust in the, in those first few initial kind of. Um, adjustments like what you saw john suddenly people are like oh i don't like this at all and it's quite easy just to dismiss it hopefully it'll have the winter and nobody's playing golf in england in england anyway right now he'll have the winter just to kind of bed its way in and hopefully by spring next year everything will be back up and running and people will understand it fully yes but it is it is a weird one um what's your goals for next year john what do you want to get your handicap down to uh still want to get it down to 18 but I have actually played way below 18. I had my best round since we last spoke, 13 over. Very good. Um, nice. Which I was well pleased with. Um, but yeah, I think if I could if I could start to 
regularly break 90. I broke it five times in a row this year with the last few bad golf videos we filmed. We filmed at Moore Park, which was gorgeous. And um, I've heard of that. I've never played it. And uh, Sandy Lodge, which was really nice. So there's there's this part of like east, uh, west, northwest of London, where there's loads of really nice courses, and Moore, Moore Park and Sandy Lodge are right next to each other. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, ju- I mean, at the minute, to be honest, I'm just keen to get out, and I don't care how bad I play. I'd like to, um, I'd like to add a bit of distance to my drive, but uh, nothing too. I'm not like setting myself insane targets. I think your driving is one of the best parts of your game. Generally, it looks on the videos I've watched of yours recently. It looks like you're hitting it fairly straight. I'm hitting it. So one of the good. You're right, Rick, to say that Arcos is is mainly of use to people who are playing full rounds a lot in terms of the information it gives. It's not really a practice aid. But my my driving accuracy is quite good. But my driving distance, I'm averaging about 200 yards. So I think I I should be able to get really? an extra 20 yards. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, I think you've got. Yeah, I definitely think you've got more in the tank. But equally, it's that like you said, it's that like detriment. If you're going to hitting it fairly straight, which is obviously good, if you're going to start missing more fairways, potentially might not be. It's different for the tour pros who are hitting it and leaving themselves a wedge in. But for us amateurs, if you're hitting it in the rough and it's long rough and it's making it harder, it's that balance, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. The only thing that really still offends me. What? Go on. A lot. And I, and I nearly disliked your latest video. Because oh, wow. Of <laughs> Wasn't the fact that you were drunk, making a mockery of our game, making a mockery of golf, <laughs> just thinking you can rock up after three Guinnesses and a bottle of wine. <laughs> Wasn't that. Wasn't the fact that you fatted it about three inches behind the golf ball in the first tee. Wasn't that. It was the fact you still bloody look at the hole when you put. Yeah, well, I'm afraid I've been... So after the video we did together, I thought, right, Rick's not happy with this, so I'm going to change it. And it's about time I changed it because no one else looks at the hole. My putting then just became a bit of a joke. So I started this system where I was like measuring between my feet as to how far I would backswing. I think you told us about that in the last podcast. I've gone back to looking at the hole. And it just helps my distance. Mm. Have you well, seen, by the way, we'll how many have views that video's lesson. had? You are? I don't like it. That, that video now that we did with you has had 2 yeah. million views on YouTube. Not 2 million? Yeah. What the hell? Maybe we should start paying well, you, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, considering all my work's <laughs> been cancelled since March. <laughs> um, can we... <laughs> Can you give me a putting lesson then, Rick? I, I just... I, it's not so much a putting lesson. Like, your technique's good. Um, I just don't know how you strike it well enough when looking at the hole. Like, that first, on that latest video you put on, and by the way, guys, if you've not checked out John's uh, YouTube channel, Bad Golf on YouTube, is it... What's the actual URL? Is it Bad Golf or Bad Golfers? It's Bad Golf. Bad Golf. Um, yeah, I just... The first put you hit... I can't argue with your distance control. It was pretty awesome. But you were miles offline. You, like, missed it, like, six foot right. It's better than missing it ten don't foot Don't get short. in John's head. I don't know. Normally, you shouldn't be able to... You, it's dead easy to miss it six foot short and long, yes. It's very difficult to miss it six foot right and left. Hmm. Well, you managed to. 
you managed to miss it six foot right. But <laughs> but your swing did look good. I must admit. I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of jesting with you a little bit on it because it's. Um, I just I can't see how you can strike it well enough. That's my biggest concern. Like if I saw a tour pro do it, it wouldn't offend me as much. I know John Spieth toyed with it from ten foot in because their stroke is so unbelievably repetitive that they can possibly afford to look at the hole like they know they're going to hit the middle of the club face i just think for you i don't know if you can hit the middle of the club face whilst they're looking at the hole but i'm also i'm also ready to be proven wrong if you listen if you can convert me if you can start holding everything because your stroke's good i just don't know if looking at looking at it because you you were dialed in with your distance control when you were doing you kind of measurements that you talked about in the last podcast. I thought that was pretty revolutionary. And then you've kind of dropped it. Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think if, the problem is if you're inconsistent in any area of golf, you're perhaps often too keen to change what you're doing because you think there's something fundamentally wrong. I just maybe needed to uh, continue with the little um, sort of equations I had, a bit like Bryson has with his backswing I had with my putter. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's for me, my short game is all about the fact I am unable to commit to shots. So I, I'm always short on everything. On every chip, I'm short. On every putt, I'm short. On every bunker shot, I'm short. So I just need to be able to get away, to get my head away from the putter head and actually towards the hole. So maybe I'll bring it back. I'd like to see it being brought back. Where are you playing again next, John? Where, where's the first place? Obviously, we're in lockdown currently. Where's the where's the first place you want to play as soon as we get out of it? And who's the first person you want to play with? Well, I'm playing um, Augusta with my father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I'll be I'll be I think like a lot of people, I'll be really keen to get back to my local club and play in a little stable for competition just or anywhere. something. <laughs> with any, just anywhere. with anybody, anywhere, anybody. Yeah, even if it's just going around on my own to sort of check, I can still swing a club. But me and Alex, we've have still now, got an we've... amazing video. Don't forget to film. I know you, you keep know threatening me with this amazing video. I keep driving <laughs> up to Manchester and smashing my car window, which I still oh, haven't God, got yeah. fixed. Shut up. You've not had that yeah. fixed. That gaffer tape I put on is still on that window. Oh my god. That was when if you weren't aware of that story, that was when John came to play with us in August and decided that he would um weirdly put his car keys in the ignition and then just shut the door and lock it behind himself and then realise that he'd left his keys in the car, break it with a hammer. Do we got off like a caretaker at the hotel, like a janitor? Um the first strike of the hammer was showing his lack of club head speed as he put the uh, window through. <laughs> I can't even admit looking, to breaking my car. His Arcos stats were like, nah, that's too weak, that, mate. And then he <laughs> gave it a proper uh, smash. Were you looking at the window or the hammer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I think I've still got the glass in but, the Hoover that I brought for you. But the, this, this video we have got filmed. We, we had this idea literally even before the first one, which we, we filmed with this John. This was the original idea. This is going to be a monster. This has potential views-wise to be in the millions because it will appeal to non-golfs as well. But that's just that's soon. just brewing in the background. 2021. Yes. It will happen. It'll be a monster. Can't wait. It will be a monster. John, you have been a pleasure, as always. Oh, thanks I so hope, much for having me on, guys. I hope you'll be back on again soon. Oh, yeah. Our fans and love you. Of- Our fans love you. 
your subscribers, very sweet. Your subscribers are going through the roof. I think you've got such a great insight to the game and knowledge. And now that I know your father-in-law is a is, has I thought that is what's weird. Before we were filming, Rick was like, "Oh, I can't be asked with John. Like, we're doing this podcast again with John. Like, it's, it's three too many people are gonna get sick of him. I'm a bit bored with myself. Don't watch his videos anymore. Blah blah blah." Next thing, here's that your father-in-law's played at Augusta a couple of times. He can't stop blowing smoke up. I'll put a good word in for it you, Rick. Awesome. Oh yeah, do. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said to me the other day, like, how much would you pay to play it? And I, and I can't, I almost can't put a number on it. Until the opportunity, I, to, be, to be honest though, I have had probably not a direct approach to play it for a fee, but I've I've heard of a fee that you can pay to play it. I've got a question for you then. Go. You get told it's a fee, right? It's oh, a big don't forget, fee. I've only got three Scotty Camerons. You've got three Scotty Camerons. You've got about six golf bags that I can see right now. <laughs> Loads of wedges. You really hard to GC quad, etc. I'll sell my Kirkland wedges. Um, but you, you get told you can play Augusta, right? Okay, let me think of a fee. Five grand, right? Okay. You can play for five grand. But you can't take any pictures. You can't film it. And you also can't tell anybody that you've played. Now oh, would you still play? No. Exactly. No, it's all the clout for you, isn't it? Of course it so, is. <laughs> so obviously, Rick, as someone who you know in the world of golf is you, you've got a lot of clout, and people like listen if you say you want to play their club. Is it specific to Augusta that they're so private and so secretive that you can't pull any strings to get there, or are there quite a few courses that are like that? If I'm honest, John, I've just never asked. Oh, you should totally ask, man. I should just ring them up. Just ring the pro yeah. shop. Pro shop. You said like like Hi a guys. tea time um, for Monday morning about eleven o'clock, please. <laughs> oh, you can't you can't do eleven. I, I'm not bothered. Then I'll I'll come back. On <laughs> um, it's on the list. I've got a plan for next year that might might potentially open some eyes and emails, and we'll see what happens. But either way, we shall see what happens. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying with that. John, thanks for having thanks for having us. <laughs> this is after the hour point. There's always a, there's always a real lull after the hour. Once we hit an hour in the podcast, it really takes a turn for the worst. I so clock out completely. It's known as the last the people see the podcast, however long it is, they know right, it's an hour long. Well it's fifty minutes of content, ten minutes of absolute drivel. Today we're on an hour and ten, so the last ten minutes well, is we, always We got ten minutes of you trying to pronounce delusional. Delusional. Is that it? Delusional, 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 delusional. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I think, we'll, I think we'll finish it on that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go and check out John and all of his platforms. We shall see you soon. <laughs> sooner than sooner than next summer, we hope. <laughs> nice. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.